This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. We're so glad you joined us for another episode of the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. I'm here again with Leslie Bennett and Scott Crawford with the sixth of 10 episodes covering the business on church business. That's right, Jimmy. And today we're talking about one of Scott's favorite topics, cash flow. My favorite topic, too. That's right. Cash flow. Scott manages cash flow, and so he gets to be the Dr. No of Family Church. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I kind of feel like that should be like a, a one of the villains in the Marvel Universe, Dr. No against Spider-Man that's or right. something. So I like that idea. Yeah, well, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do that's it. Right. It definitely is a tough job, and anybody who knows anything about running a church knows that cash flow is king. Now, it might sound kind of weird to use that terminology in a church context, but it's still true. Our church, like every church, is 100% funded by the generosity of people, and in many ways, we're a week-to-week operation, and when times are lean, that's especially true. So, Scott, you do an incredible job managing our cash flow at Family Church. Let's talk about how you do what you do. Yeah, we talk about managing cash flow. When we use that term, in very simple terms, what we're talking about is just the net amount of cash that's moving in and out of your organization. And so for the church, we can think of cash flow in terms of the amount of unrestricted cash that's available to us once all of our obligations have been accounted for and met. So then managing cash flow is really just the process we use to evaluate the amount and the timing of those cash transactions. Now, wait a minute. That sounds like something that only big churches should be worried about. Is that true? No, no, that's not true at all. Everybody needs to be worried about managing cash flow. And so cash flow is really the lifeblood of every organization. And you see this more often in the business world, especially with startups, because what the reality is, is regardless of how good your product is, how good the service is you provide to your customers, if you don't manage your cash flow well, you won't be in business for very long. Having a positive cash flow for churches in particular allows us to stay current on paying our routine operating expenses. It gives us a plan for paying down our debt service and it allows us to invest in future growth. Hey, wait a minute. Now, when you say routine operating expenses, what are we talking about? Sure. That's paying the light bill. It's paying your your salaries. It's all the kind of normal things that a church has to pay for to operate. Okay. So that's not an emergency. That's not a new building. That's just your bills. That's just that you day-to-day pay. church on Sunday. All right. Another reason it's important to manage cash flow is for third-party financing. From time to time, churches find themselves in the need to obtain a financing either from a bank or another lending institution. And as Pastor Jimmy noted earlier, we operate based solely on the generosity of others. The problem is that banks actually want to know that you have the financial means through cash or cash equivalents to actually repay the amount of money that you're wanting to borrow. And then last, honestly, we measure cash flow because we want God to bless our kingdom efforts. So we actually need to have a plan for how we're going to manage those financial resources, both the ones he's already given us and the ones that we'll have in the future. Now, Scott, you said that in order to obtain third-party financing, managing cash flow is important. I want to drill down on that just for a second. So let me get this straight. I'm the pastor of a small church or a medium-sized church. We need to borrow money to build a building or to do some upgrades. 
the reason I need to borrow the money is I don't have the money. (laughs) So what do you mean by that, that the cash or the cash equivalents, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. One of the things that banks are going to look for is your debt service ratio. They're going to look to see for the money that you have coming in relative to what the current mortgage payment, principal and interest is going to be. Do you have the financial means to actually repay that when that loan becomes due? What if I tell them I don't right now, but I will after I build the building? If you can figure out how to get money in that scenario, please call me. (laughs) We're going to invite you to speak on the podcast. That's exactly right. Well, how do our financial goals, because every organization has financial goals, and to all of our listeners, if you're out there, if you don't have financial goals for your church, I think you should try to get with some people and develop some. How do our financial goals at Family Church impact cash flow, Scott? Sure. Well, first, we think everybody should be current on your accounts payable. One of the first signs that your cash flow is strained or is in trouble is when you start delaying the payment of your regular accounts payable. We also think it's important to maintain a minimum number of days in both your cash and your cash reserves. And those are things like for contingencies, capital repairs, and any improvements you want to make. That sounds like Dave Ramsey. Oddly enough, it does. That's that's right. That's your emergency fund. It actually works. That's right. Okay. And then last, we would have a mindset of what we call mission-based spending. And so that's where your decision-making mindset helps prevent what we would call mission drift and uh, keeps your spending aligned with your operational goals and your stated mission. All right, explain that a little bit more because what would be an example of something that would get you off mission when it comes to your spending? Right. Like for Family Church, we have said that part of our strategy is planting a network of neighborhood churches. So then part of our budget and our operational spending, we're making sure that we have funds set aside to actually plant new churches, to identify new leaders and to hire those leaders and then to fund those new works. So because that's part of our mission and our strategy, we actually set aside funds to actually accomplish that. And so when something else comes up, that's a potential really good thing that we consider doing. One of the things you always help us do is say, now, wait a minute, Pastor, That sounds really good, but you realize if we do that, we're going to have to do less of what we've said our mission is. No, that's right. And that is the challenge of having a high-performing team like we do. I mean, we've got some really sharp people who work at our church. I mean, great people with great ideas, but all those ideas and all those great activities and programs have to be evaluated under the lens of what we're actually trying to accomplish and making sure that it's in line with fulfilling that mission. You said that we should have a minimum number of days of cash or cash reserves. Could you give us an example of what you think for a basic, you know, church? Because a lot of our listeners, again, single pastor church or a smaller staff, a lot of them have a budget of a million dollars or less. What would be a minimum number of days? What would you recommend? Yeah, there's some studies out there. And Mike Batts has some materials out there. He speaks a lot. He's a firm out of Orlando. And one of the things he encourages is that about 90 days worth of operating cash, either in the form of cash or cash reserves. And that is, oddly enough, just kind of like we talked about earlier, the Ramsey principle is that you're operating out of the funds that you need from week to week, Sunday to Sunday. But then you have money set aside, especially in South Florida, where we do have things like hurricanes. And, you know, on any given Sunday, we could be closed for whatever reason. And so we would encourage all churches to have set aside an emergency fund. For me, I do equate it to personal finances because a lot of what we're talking about is just wise financial management on a larger scale for your church. No, that's exactly right. Basically. All right. So how do we actually manage the cash? 
Yeah, so at Family Church, we start with revenue. So one of the first things that we do is we look at a rolling three-year trend of what our weekly giving is, and then we use that and build a baseline for what we think our expected income will be on any given Sunday. And any size church could do that. Every church can do that. Then we make adjustments based on historical outliers. So one of the things that we look at is we look at that three-year trend. We go back and look at each Sunday's giving and figure out, was there a Sunday that had bad weather and attendance was way down? Did that Sunday occur following a payroll cycle on that Friday? Were there one-time estate gifts that came in that week? So we're going to look at those historical outliers and remove those because that kind of skews the numbers a little bit. Then we're going to add back in any non-charitable revenue. That might be from if you're leasing your facilities at all or if you have any unrelated business income that your church generates, you're going to want to add that back in. And then add in any other income that we expect for the period. For example, if you're getting grants or sale of property or things that you have that are coming in. So you use all that to get a good picture of what your revenue stream is going to look like. Why do you think it's so important to start with revenue first? Because it seems like some people, it would seem natural. Maybe you would start with expenses first. Sure. And some churches do. You start with what you think you need to spend and then you figure out, you know, God bless us and give us the money we need to <laughs> do. This much per yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, that's right? right. That's right. Yeah. Now, we, we start with revenue first because like we said before, the church doesn't actually manufacture any goods or provide any billable services. So when we talk about our income stream, it really is based on the generosity of our members and our regular attenders. So we think it's best to start with what you actually think is going to come in and use that as your baseline. And I want our listeners to hear that because I think it's such a temptation in church to say, oh, we want to hire a new part-time children's director and we want to do these upgrades in the student ministry building and we want to do this, this, and this. And you start adding it up and you go, oh my gosh, if we do that, we're going to need to bring in $5,000 more a week because it's going to be all up at up to $250,000. And instead of thinking, why would we ever think that might happen? They just change their budget because week to week, it feels like you can maybe get there. But the truth is, if that revenue is not coming in, it's going to eat you up over time. Yeah. And I've seen that happen on a bigger scale too, with bigger projects when Mm -hmm. people kind of borrow in faith, but is this (laughs) faith or presuming upon God? So it's kind of a fine line. Like, you know, we have to really be wise about the way that we put ourselves out there and what we're expecting to bring in. Yeah, some people have made it work over the years, but I don't think the field of dreams idea is a great path for most churches to walk. Right. right. It hasn't I would say that's very successful. No. Yeah. No. A little more descriptive than prescriptive. Right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, so what do we do next, Scott? We've estimated our revenue. What happens now? Yeah, so now it's time to move on to your expenses. So we would start with the operating accounts payable, and that includes any outstanding current or future obligations that you have, depending on the time frame that you're looking at. You'd add in any project-related expenses you might have for building improvements or seasonal maintenance agreements. You'd add back in any capital expenditures. And so many of these are actually going to go on your balance sheet as assets and not on your operating books. They still represent real dollars in either cash or debt service requirements. Then you'd forecast any seasonal expenditures, like for us. We have two leadership meetings a year. We have deposits that we know are coming due for student camp and kids camp. We have Easter egg hunts. So we know there are some seasonal expenditures Mm -hmm. that are going to take place. And then I think it's important to double check your liquidity requirements. Most people don't know that there are some hidden terms when you borrow money from a bank or another lending institution, they can actually enforce restrictions on the total indebtedness that you're allowed to have at any given time. Or they can have liquidity requirements, meaning that you need to have a certain amount of cash on hand at all times. 
And then once you do that, it's just the math. It's the income minus your liabilities. And that gives you a pretty good picture of what your cash flow is going to look like. Now, a lot of you may be listening on the Church for the Rest of Us podcast and thinking, well, that's all big church stuff. None of us have liquidity requirements. None of us forecast seasonal expenditures. But really, Scott, don't these principles work no matter how big or how small your church is? No, that's right. Cash flow is scalable. Every church, regardless of the size of the offering that you take in on Sunday, everybody has to manage their cash flow the same. It's it's scalable in every context. And so even if your budget of your church is $100,000, you still know certain events that are coming up, the church anniversary every year or whatever. If your church budget is a million dollars or $10 million or $50 million, it all works basically the same way. That's absolutely right. Leslie, that sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? It really does. It sounds like an amazing amount of work. I don't know exactly how you do all of that. So how do you figure out how much money we think we'll have in the bank each week? Because I know you give this report every week to us. So how do you figure that out? Yeah. Well, so actually everything that we've done to this point, calculating the revenue, calculating the expenses is what I would say is more mechanical or calculated, but there's still one component left that's more subjective that has to be included. So once you've gathered your data and forecasted, it's really time then to start making some assumptions and some decisions about what the data is telling you. So several questions we think are important to ask is, what's the average day of your payables? So some principles say that if you're sound in your Mm -hmm. cash flow management, then your accounts payable will be equal to or less than about 25 days. If you're in a strong position of cash flow, then those payables will be equal to or less than about 15 days. That means you have enough money to pay all the bills that are coming in within 15 days. That's exactly right. That sounds very strong. I like it. That's right. Then you're going to ask, have you achieved the level of operating reserves that you want to have on hand? Again, we talked about this a little bit ago. Sound would say you've got about three months. Hmm. And if you want to be in a strong position, they recommend six months. And again, again. all things you have to plan for. Then you're going to want to look at, do you have your any regular maintenance that's being deferred and needs your focus? So, Every church. That, mm-hmm. Right, right. So are you avoiding doing some painting you need to do or plumbing or electrical or flooring or HVAC work? And if that's true, that's something you should consider. And then last, you're going to look at, are there any other financial goals or mission critical expenditures that you aren't addressing or have no plan to address? And unfortunately, some of these things might actually be hindering your growth if you don't do something about them. For example, if your parking lot needs to be upgraded, if you need to update your website, if you need to expand your kids ministry, if there are things that you are not doing that would actually help your church move forward and you can't then that's an indicator that there's some decisions need to be made about your cash flow. And then in our context, specific to Family Church, once we've done all this, we've done all the mechanical work, we've done the subjective work, we've answered the questions, then it's time, Leslie, as you said, weekly, we sit with Pastor Jimmy, we give him kind of a consolidated high-level view of our financial picture, make some recommendations, and then allow him as our senior pastor to provide additional insight, help us set priorities, and then give us direction on what's next. That's right. So, Jimmy, what coaching tips would you give our listeners for how involved a senior pastor should be when it comes to the finances of their church? You know, that's a great question. I think every pastor has kind of a different frame on this. Some pastors have more of a business mind and some really, really don't. But as senior pastors, we've got to be mentally engaged in managing the church's finances. In most cases, the church is actually treating the senior pastor, even in a small church, almost like a CEO. So you really are accountable 
to the church for the cash flow management, even if someone else is the one who is hands-on doing the work. I know that for Family Church, I just feel the weight of managing the financial obligations that we have in our multi-site model. And so I'm getting weekly reports from Scott and our finance team that help me and the rest of our staff focus on our mission and help me make critical organizational decisions. And again, I'm not talking about reviewing every single expenditure. I'm talking about I'm getting very broad information. Scott and his team are in the weeds. They know all of the details. And if I ask, they can get the information. But I just want to know Things like how much money came in on Sunday. What is our cash position likely to be at the end of the week after the obligations that we just talked about are met? So if we have a payroll this week, how much cash do we have after Sunday? How much do we have after we make payroll and pay our other bills that we know are in? How much cash do we have? How many days do we have in reserves? What projects do we have coming up that we're trying to fund? Some of them are budgeted way ahead of time that we knew they were coming down the pipe. Other things aren't. If two air conditioning units go out in South Florida, you're going to have air conditioning. So you're going to divert cash from somewhere and fix the AC. So these are the kinds of conversations we're going to have. It doesn't take that long, but it is really important. And the reason is God is holding pastors accountable. Our teams are accountable because God's people have sacrificed and believed God and trusted God and given money that they could have done something else with because they believe that they are giving it to the Lord by giving it to your church. So when we receive those funds, in my opinion, we are accountable to God for handling these funds with full transparency, full integrity, full accountability, and that means managing cash flow. So it's it's really important. So Scott, as we wrap up today's segment, what are some of the greatest challenges that we are facing in this area? Yeah, one I think that every church faces is what the construction industry calls unforeseen conditions. Mm. And that's just a fancy way for saying stuff happens. That's so, right. you know, kind of what you <laughs> talked about that, Jimmy, there's just things that are going to come up from time to time, whether it's a broken water pipe or a broken AC unit that have to be addressed. And you are going to divert cash from one thing to pay for that. I think another challenge is the impact the local and national economy has on our givers. Like in our church, like most churches, we have people working in all kinds of professional fields, some of whom really feel the pinch when there's an economic turndown. Small business owners, realtors, people who are service providers mm-hmm. all feel that differently, which may impact your giving, your cash flow. Yeah, a big part of the economy in South Florida is construction. Well, like right now when the economy is going really well, people are building stuff all over the place. Man, our economy and our church finances really feel that. When there's a recession and construction slows down, our church really feels that as well. And so those are the kinds of things, depending on where, you know, if you live in a farm country, then that matters. If you live in New York City, and there's all kinds of things that could impact that. And you got to keep your finger on the pulse there. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk of recession right now. And Pastor Jimmy, the other day, you just wisely said we need to put a plan in place. Like, let's talk about this. What is this going to look like? And I thought that was so good. I don't know how many churches sit down and think about, okay, what's going to happen if this does happen? So... There's a lot of good information that we can gather from you and your team, Scott. We're so grateful for all the things that you do. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I hope you what, feel what are the yeah. greatest rewards <laughs> as you go through this. Even though you get to be Dr. No, there are some rewards involved, right? No, there are some great rewards. And, and honestly, one of those is just having a third party audit our finances. You know, we talked about that in one of our previous podcasts, mm-hmm. but having a third party come in and look at the way that you're managing God's resources and you're stewarding those financial resources and end up with a good Good report. That is actually a great reward right. for, for our team, for mm-hmm. our church. 
I also think seeing the financial resources that God's entrusted to us being put to good use through our church back into the community. So again, the more effectively you manage your cash flow, the more effective your ministry is in your community and your context. And I think being able to take advantage of opportunities to advance the gospel. You know, one of the reasons you have an emergency fund or an opportunity fund and you have cash set aside is that as God gives you opportunities to advance the gospel and grow your ministry, you can take advantage of those opportunities all because you've effectively managed your cash flow. And I think that's so important, Scott, because every dollar and every dime that's given to Family Church is given to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not my money. It is not your money. It is God's money, but he has placed us in stewardship of it. And our goal is to take every dollar and spend it in a way that honors Christ so that if Jesus Christ himself came and audited our books, our expenses, the way we're handling his money, he'd say, well done. And we are doing all of this because Jesus is crucified on the cross and raised from the dead. And Jesus is inviting people to come to him. That's what the money is for. That's what it's given for. And so there's all of these business terms that we use and all of these things that we talk about from the bylaws to attorneys to managing cash flow and insurance. And it's all part of the picture. But at the end of the day, this is for Jesus Christ, and it's to call men and women, boys and girls, to come and follow him. As we think about that, are there any resources that we can recommend for our church, for the rest of us listeners, for churches who may be listening and saying, oh, my goodness, we really need to get a little focused here on managing cash flow? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, if your church has nothing to start with, you can honestly, it's just as easy to Google cash flow management. There's a lot of Excel templates that are free out there that you can use as a template, and it's already built for you. You just you simply plug in the numbers, and it helps you figure out what your cash flow is going to be. Churchlawandtax.com has some information. I mentioned earlier a book called Church Finance by Michael Batts. ECFA.org has a lot of information on this. And then Zondervan publishes a book called Church and Nonprofit Tax and Financial Guide is another great resource that we actually use here at the church as well. Well, thanks, Scott. And Leslie, that's week six of the business on church business. Let's review those principles we've been going over again. Leslie, number one is? Know your bylaws. Number two, you got to lawyer up. Number three is? Pay for an outside op. Number four, set the senior pastor's compensation. Number five? Be prepared to manage risks. Number six today, cash flow is king. And next week, we'll talk about the cheapest way to get good people. I know you're going to hear that one. <laughs> that's all right. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.